Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Emma Sexton, and Natalie Campbell. This week, there was no Harriet Minter, but we were joined by the badass Claudia Liza Amar, who stood in doing that really hard bit. Anyway, this week, we were joined by Henrietta Heald. She's got a book out called Magnificent Women and Their Revolutionary Machines. We've got some real insights on the women of the engineering society and uh, what they did to create some change. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read a quote from the one of the the book from the the author we have in now our guest. Women have won their political independence. Now is the time for them to achieve their economic freedom too. Now, this was the rallying cry of the female pioneers who in 1919 created the Women's Engineering Society. My next guest, Henrietta Heald, has written a book paying tribute to these incredible women who paved the way in such a momentous way in terms of the modern Britain that we're living in now. As I said, it's Henrietta Hild. Really good to have you with us, Henrietta. And yet, just just talk us through just what this book is about. Well, after the First World War, um, when women had gone to the factory in huge numbers, I mean, hundreds of thousands of women for the first time had an opportunity to earn a proper living, be trained, sometimes live away from home. Um, they had all sorts of exciting new adventures. Um, and after the war, of course, they were told they weren't That's needed. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, You'd go back home. And... Um, this was, uh, for a lot of women, as you can imagine, was a very, very um, uh, energising, I mean, activating. I mean, they, they decided they were going to fight it. Mm. And these group of women uh, who set up the Women's Engineering Society had come from all sorts of different backgrounds. Uh, it's one of the interesting things about it, because the war had brought them... When they went into the factories, it was very much a sort of classless thing. And uh, age and class and... You know, all sorts of different nationalities went to the um, the um, factories. And so when they came out, they clubbed together um, and they were led by this very fiery woman, Rachel Parsons. Um, and they set up, uh, first of all, they, they decided they wanted to fight a new law um, that was coming in called the Restoration of Pre-War Practices Act. Oh, my God. Oh, you and get back in the kitchen now. Yeah. backwards, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It was as far as the as far as the trade. She was. I'm afraid to say the trade unions were not very sympathetic because they were all male. 
They were in engineering. They didn't want these women sort of taking their jobs. Um, I so... would have been so angry because it's like <laughs> all the, they sent all the men to war and then they had no men left to go and do all the manly jobs. Mm. So they draft all the women in and the women do a brilliant job. Fantastic then the men jobs. come back and then can you imagine how angry you would be? And not only that, during the war, they were given so many uh, advantages to, you know, to help them work. I mean, we had, they had paid childcare. Right. 75, I mean, women, uh, creches were set up in many of the munitions factories, 75% paid by the government, wow. the costs. Sorry, it's a good example of when they need us, yeah. they'll figure out <laughs> yeah, how to make work everything work. Mm. Yeah. You, you know, we can have creches, yeah. have what you need, flexible yeah. working, yeah. as long yeah. as you're working. And then as soon as they don't need us anymore, it's like, okay, we'll shut all of that down, yeah. we'll pass another act so you can stay at yeah. home. Yeah, we'll work out how to not let you do yeah. that thing. Yeah. It's like they've got an answer for everything, yeah. haven't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Henrietta, your book is called Magnificent <laughs> Women and Their Revolutionary Machines. Just talk to us about some of these revolutionary machines and, and how these women were behind them. Mm. Well, uh, in a way, it's more than just the cars and boats and trains I'm talking about with the machines. It's actually um, it's, it's, it's getting together and working together and be, being political force. Mm. This is what interested me as much as anything. I mean, there were, of course, they did achieve great things. There was a woman who designed a, a car, especially for, for women drivers, because even women drivers were were rather frowned upon, you know, in the 1920s. I mean, it was rather risque to be driving a car. So, um, um, so, and then they obviously, they, 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 there were inventors among them, but, but um, what, they, what I thought was so interesting about the Women's Engineering Society is today, it, today this year, is its, its centenary. Mm. Um, it's been going, it was the first organisation of its kind in the world that was formed to a professional organisation mm. campaigning for women's rights. And um, so they were actually forming for the first time into a group that could could campaign and actually get their voices heard. In writing the book, um, did you come across any uh, stories that almost took you by surprise? Because in 2019, we still don't have enough female role models as engineers Mm. that I think a young girl in a school can point to and Mm. say, you know, I want to be like her. And so are there some stories where it's like, why does everyone not know about this (laughs) woman who did this thing? Well, um, yes, indeed. I mean, so many of those stories. Mm. That is what is so exciting when you you actually start looking into it. Mm. Many have been forgotten. I mean, the one engineer that women may have, we all may have heard of is um, Amy Johnson. She was the first woman, she was a pilot. She's known as a pilot because she was the first woman to fly single-handed to to Australia. She she, she Mm. flew in 1930. She, she, did a, she flew on her own to Australia. How long did that take? <laughs> um, it took uh, several... Mm, let me get that. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it was a couple of weeks, probably. Oh, wow. Hmm. What happened was that the car... Would have, but the, what it isn't told about Amy Johnson is that she was also a trained engineer. Right. She sort of presented as this daredevil, rather glamorous figure. And she also, because she had a very dramatic death, um, she, her, her plane plunged into the into the Thames estuary um, in, during the war. Uh, she, was, she was ferrying it to a, between facilities and, she was, but, and, and for some reason, she was a very experienced pilot, but the, train, the plane crashed. Um, and so th- she's known for that, you know, that kind of... Uh, but what 
she was also she was the first woman to have a ground engineer's license, mm-hmm. which meant that when she was flying her plane, she and the plane broke down and the plane crashed, believe it or not. But she was because she knew what to do. She repaired it she herself, could fix and, it. and it was absolutely crucial mm. to. Um, and she became later on. She became the um, a president of the Women's Engineering Society, and she also campaigned very hard for other women. So I'm saying I mean, she is certainly an inspiration, mm. um, but often she's slightly glamorized when, mm. in fact, there was she was much grittier than. Um, than people often realise. It always amazes me, these stories in, in yeah. history. And, you know, like, that was a, a big feat and a, a role model for probably mm. many people. And yet, I never learned any about anything like this at no. school, mm. ever. I just saw all the men did, mm. made the things in history, and that was it. So well, you, you hear about um, yeah, Amelia Earhart, or women that were the trailblazers, so mm. they almost had to be glamorised in some sort of way but it feels like this book is about women that were doing everyday jobs, Mm. everyday work um, and then were almost forgotten because they had to go back into the homes and even though um, this organisation was created it it says here that Rachel Parsons one of the founding members who was the richest woman in Britain was murdered by her stableman um, and that her um, trial was an example of victim blaming. So even then they didn't necessarily have, even in death, didn't have power. So it feels like it's a good point to to celebrate them and start talking about them again. Yes, well, the story of Rachel is really worth uh, spending a little time talking about because she was, um, she really was a very feisty woman who was determined that you know we, we, women were going to prevail in the engineering professions because she'd seen what they'd been able to do during the war and also they'd argue so much money had been spent on training women mm. um and, and and giving them skills and time and money and it was a crazy waste, waste to to just to forget about them so she campaigned um with her mother actually she and her mother set up the engineering society um, and then uh, then Rachel decided to go into politics. She actually stood for Parliament uh, in the 1923 election, and there were only two women MPs. Um, and she stood in as she stood as a conservative because actually Labour was so the, the trade unions were so uh, unsympathetic to women workers. So she, um, uh, but she so she stood for a, a, in a Labour strong Labour seat, and she didn't actually get in. But she, you know, she was very much on that trajectory. She wanted to, mm. she wanted to make a difference. She wanted to get into politics. Mm. And so as time went on, it's a, it's a, uh, to me it's a, a bit of a tragic story because she started off with so much and um, yet she was thwarted. She, didn't, she was unconventional. All these women had to be unconventional. When you say unconventional, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, they, they didn't have, uh, they didn't get married. They didn't, well, not all of them. Very few of them got married. Very few had children. Because they couldn't, I mean, in those days, there was the marriage bar for a start, the marriage bar, which was actually forbade women who got married from working in certain professions. Oh, really? And that was was true, the civil service. It was true in the civil service. It wasn't lifted until 1944. You couldn't work in the civil service if you were a married woman. No, no. Or if you you got married, you you might have had a job, but then you had to leave if you got married. Really? Well, I know what I would have chosen. I'd be like, I'm gonna stay single, people. I'll see you later. Well, <laughs> Many lovers instead. I suppose that's what I mean about uncon- you know the unconventional in, in those terms. You didn't, you didn't take much to be unconventional, but. Uh... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Henrietta now, but before the break, you were talking about that the founders and the incredible things that they did in, in founding the Women's Engineering Society and the push and the drive they had to do to, to, to get to where to get to where they were. I mean, one of them went on to try to become a, uh, an MP. She was a politician. What I'd be interested to know is looking back, looking at what would happen in gosh 1919 and how they were able to achieve what they achieved then. What can we learn today mm. as women? Because we've come far, you know, mm. let's, let's not, you know, let's not get it twisted. We have come far as women. We, you know, we can now, we can work, we can vote, <laughs> we can make our own money. Isn't that nice? Um, but what, there's, there's still, there's still a fight. There's still a fight for equality. What can we learn mm. from these sisters who were doing it for themselves then in 1919 for us today? Well, I think it's uh, a team. Teamwork is actually so important. Getting the men involved? Uh, yes, yeah. getting the men involved. I tell but... my husband that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just but, my you know, love. <laughs> I, yeah, get on board. <laughs> I don't think you can... Um, yeah, you, uh, all women organisations... It's interesting because what happened with it started off with so much oomph and so much passion, but there were recriminations suddenly started you know people started arguing with each other and it began falling apart a bit mm. although it's it's kept going and it's you know it's still going strong today but i think you you know that, and, and some of the members differed on whether or not you should involve men mm. and i thought that was Which that, is interesting yeah. that that's a conversation then and i feel like that's still a conversation now mm. isn't it you mm. know whether there's still value in having these these all women groups mm. uh you know and yeah how do we bring mm. the men in but yes. I, I do i do think there is something about you know uh powering kind of numbers isn't there mm. and buddying up yes force. and also I, i've having i think having a really clear aim mm. because i think quite often what happens with women's organizations with there are lots of good intentions mm. but they're not really very well articulated mm. and why rachel parsons was brilliant was she she managed to put things really clearly I and mean, they were fighting for equal pay for example even then, I mean, there was you know, there, it was much more blatant. The gender gap was mm. much more, 
much more obvious then. But um, and it, you know, nobody batted an eyelid. None of the men did anyway. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, she was already saying we want equal pay. For, I mean, the economic freedom was so important, as I think, because mm. the women had just got the vote. I mean, it was the, they, we just um, in nineteen eighteen, of course, was the first election where women could vote. And then um, on the back of that, there were other improvements coming in. Um, the Sex Disqualification Removal Act, which what was, was <laughs> which was um, again, it was uh, you, some professions were barred from having women at all. So right. you know, um, like the, I think the law. Well, I, I yes, I mean the law, medicine. I, um, I can't remember exactly which ones there were, but there were some that were actually removed. The, the important ones, the ones yeah. that we, <laughs> we can things, own yeah. homes and, you know, no, and people know what's going on in our bodies. You yes. know, just, yes. just the important ones. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, that was ch- sort of improving. There were improvements, mm-hmm. but with women engineers, they absolutely were going the other direction because that was, that were, you know, was the ban, so... Um, Henrietta, why did you want to write this book? Out, out of anything mm-hmm. you, could have, you could have written about... Why? Why this? Well, I, the women themselves—they uh, are so fascinating. I mean, their stories are just unbelievable, mm. really. And I and I, I set off writing a sort of parallel story. Well, there was a woman, Caroline Hazlitt, who became Dame Caroline Hazlitt, and the most the, uh, top professional woman of her age. She was in a, into electricity because electricity was so important mm. for women's liberation. Because actually, in the home. Because all those um, freed up time, yes, completely and utterly. Because Gosh, that's incredible. When you think about it, you know they were they were doing everything by hand, and there were very few. It's hard to rem- remember or you know think about it now, but I'm sure know, you don't uh, remember. No, it. I don't remember. <laughs> yes. it. No, but it's hard to. If you do, look fabulous. <laughs> it's easy to forget. That's what I'm trying to mean. But, but you know they had no gadgets, so. I mean, the washing machines, cookers, electric cookers, irons, all that stuff. So anyway, Caroline has it was a great advocate for getting that into the home. Just so, for that for that for precise reason. Yes, for that precise to reason. To help free up to liberate women. Exactly. She wow. saw it as the key to women's being able to go out and hold down jobs that they were freed up from domestic drudgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was just going. Uh, she and Rachel were my kind of parallel stories because they're, they're very different stories, but they were parallel. Um, but on the way, so many other women came along who just was fascinating mm. to write about. So I think actually a book could be written about each individual. Mm. But yeah. um, is, this, is it the first time the, the stories of these women or some of these women have, has been documented the way you've done it? Um, for some of them, definitely, yes. I mean, people like Amy Johnson have been yes, written about. But not, not Rachel Parsons, not um, well, Caroline. Some of them wrote their own uh, memoirs. But that yeah, tended to be, you know, they weren't really recognised. How did you I'm, find their stories? Mm. Well, there's, um, they have, there is a lovely archive. The mm. Women's Engineering Society has an archive. And it's part of the um, Institution of Engineering and Technology. And they're, lots, they're letters. Uh, that's what really my, my big source, apart from accounts that women wrote themselves. <laughs> letters um, between them. Mm. When they were setting up the society and reflecting on things and other mementos, I mean, they brought, they did broadcast, they did write articles. So that, there's a kind of uh, there's sources in that way. Yeah. So my next mm. question is, why on earth don't we know more about these women, and why are they not teaching this sort of thing in schools? Oh uh, well, that's a very hard question for me to answer. Um, I wish. Well, I mean, engineering generally is not 
is not respected enough. I mean, we we, we engineers um, are just not as highly thought of as they are in in, in other European countries, in America. And we, this is a long-term problem we've had. Mm-hmm. And with women, it's especially so, because when we have a very low... We have the lowest proportion of women engineers of any European country. In the UK? In the UK. Um, 10%, we have under 10%. Or ten, it's hovering around ten percent. It's very slowly creeping up. I mean, so much work has been done mm. um, to try and encourage young women to consider because the opportunities are huge. Mm. That's what I what I feel is it gives. I mean, it's such a broad subject anyway. Engineering mm. um, that's so far away from the you know man in the boiler suit with the spanner, yeah, um, which <laughs> is what is portrayed. I mean, it's just you know. Uh, I, it's endless the possibilities but it's, it, that's why the book's important to be able to mm. tell the story of what yeah. engineering is about the women mm. that have paved the way and come up with amazing inventions that have actually moved women's equality forward mm. so electricity in the home mm. a very good example and so if there is a young girl sitting there thinking you know i want to do something instead of starting a hashtag actually <sighs> become an engineer and figure out what we need to move ourselves forward yes. over the next yeah. 10, 20 years or, you know, fix climate change. There's so much potential and opportunity. Mm. And, mm. and now you are getting more women going into the STEM, um, STEM subjects. Yeah. Uh, and you would think that even when you are trying to get more women into science or when you are teaching about science, you would teach girls and women about these incredible yeah. women. Yeah. Yes, I think that's true. I mean, that's what I'd like to see shift onto onto the individuals because mm. I think that it's too dry to talk about the machines. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not an engineer myself, but of course I'm fascinated in it. But um, I, I think you know you've got to think about what, how did this woman get to where she was? Yeah, yeah. and why know? did they create that machine? Like you say, yeah. that back. So I never knew that about electricity in the homes, no. and suddenly that makes it. It just adds a different layer, mm. doesn't it? To, oh, yeah, well, they yeah. put electricity in the homes. But if you understand reasons why and then how having that electric in the home mm. was then, you know, revolutionised and, and frees lots of women up, that's, you know, that's fascinating. Mm. And another thing Caroline Hazlitt wanted to do was to, what she called humanise industry because um, for, of course, a lot of women going into industry for the first time, it was this very male environment and 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 there was, wasn't really... A, much thought given to job satisfaction. I mean, that yeah. wasn't mm. something, a concept that had been in, invented in those days. And so that was, she was wanting to encourage that, because that was a, 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 quite a good female influence. It wasn't just the mechanics of it, it was the actual human side mm. that they were also trying to improve. So all of these things still ring true today. Mm. Uh, and so can you tell us a bit more about the campaigning side of, of the book? I mean, are you, are you aiming to get it into schools? Um is there a website where people can go and, and get the individual stories or is the core of it just the book? Yes, there is a website, um, same name, Magnificent Women. Um, uh, yes, well, it's not, I hope the book will go into schools. I mean, um, it will obviously be in all good bookshops mm-hmm. um, and we're trying to give it as much publicity as possible and we're hoping also to develop it um, for the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that I think it would be a fa- fantastic um tv serial actually that's what we're really we're thinking would be the the best um uh destination um because it's it's a long uh, and involved story and involves lots of fascinating individuals and you can interweave their stories so Mm -hmm. i think actually seeing something like this on the screen Mm -hmm. would be and then allowing people not in a documentary i mean it would i'm talking about a drama yeah, like a Netflix you know. series. Yeah, yeah, a Netflix series. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's what we're aiming for. Well, Henrietta, you <laughs> need to push, at the very least, to get this into schools for girls yeah. and boys yeah. to learn about, yes. actually. But yes, Henrietta healed her book, Magnificent Women and Their Revolutionary Machines. What you're doing, Henrietta, is magnificent. You were magnificent. <laughs> Thanks so much. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.